0: Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today, we will have Dr. Diana Burley, cybersecurity expert, professor of human and organizational learning at George Washington University. Good day, Dr. Burley. How are you doing?
1: I'm well, thanks. How are you?
0: It's good to have you on. We are approaching Cybersecurity Awareness Month. I thought it would be great to have you on to discuss some challenges as it relates to cybersecurity and the human social behaviors as it relates to cyber. Yes, we do. Recently, you were quoted in an interview, I believe it was Fox, and you credited the rise of cybersecurity attacks and the widespread of the WannaCry to the failure of average computer users and not taking preventive measures like patching their computers. Can you break this down from a human behavior perspective?
1: Sure. And I think that, you know, this is something that people don't tend to think about, but when we look at human behavior and we look at what people do or why they do what they do, we have to really understand that it's not a question of somebody saying, I'm not going to do this. It's really a question of them perhaps not understanding why it is important to do something. It's also important for us to think about the fact that there are processes in place for patching systems, for you know updating your systems, and sometimes people don't realize that they need to adjust the timing or the timeline in their processes in order to to expedite those kinds of activities because they think okay you know every friday i patch or every month i patch and they don't really get they don't get the impact that their reliance on a particular type of process might have so we really have to do a better job at helping people to understand what their role in the process is, what their responsibility is, and what the impact of a non-action might be.
0: I always think that the wind of exposure, I don't think the average user is really into or really have a good feel for you know the wind of exposure and the need to close vulnerabilities as soon as possible.
1: No, they don't understand that, and they also often don't understand how to align the need for patching and uh, addressing some of the IT vulnerabilities with how that fits in with their business processes. And I would say that in part that is the responsibility of the user or the business owner, but it is also the responsibility of the security practitioner to help people in understanding how to integrate their business processes and their business pacing and demands with the addressing of security issues to ensure that they can continue to have safe and secure operations.
0: So what are some positive ways to reinforce and reshape cybersecurity through human social behavior?
1: I think that the most important way is to understand the realities of human behavior and to understand concepts like resistance to change, because when we're asking people to make adjustments in what they do, we have to understand that there is a very natural reaction that all individuals have that says, I'm going to initially resist this suggested change because I don't quite understand it. And sometimes that resistance is related to cognitive processes where they really don't get why you're telling them to do what it is they're doing, why that change is needed. Sometimes it's behavioral where they'll say, okay, I get it, but I'm going to drag my feet. I'm not going to do it in the right timing. Sometimes it's emotional. I'm simply wedded to this process. I'm wedded to the way that we do things, and I'm uncomfortable, emotionally uncomfortable with making a change. But regardless of why someone is resisting, the most important thing that we as security professionals can do is to understand the dynamics of human behavior because it's only after understanding those dynamics that we can devise strategies that will help to identify what the real challenges are and then to resolve those challenges and to help people move forward on their pathway.
0: To what extent do you think cybersecurity behavior is driven by social trends and why?
1: Well, I think that all of our all of human behavior is in some ways influenced by um, social trends the desire to share the desire to access information quickly and on the go and to be always connected all of those desires that we as individuals have are driven by the realities of society and the way that that we function in society and so given that given that there is this hyper hyper desire to always be connected to to be able to access things quickly and easily and efficiently, um, to share and collect as much data as possible, that has implications for how we as individuals behave, and it has implications for how we think about the relative trade offs to being able to, to do those activities, but to do them in a secure or as secure um, manner a- as we can.
0: We are approaching Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and I wanted to get your five tips to help computer users protect themselves against cyber attacks.
1: Well, I don't know if I have five, but I'll give you a few. I think that um, certainly one is this notion of cyber hygiene. And so you really do want to make sure that you are using strong passwords, two-factor authentication when available on your device, and don't take unnecessary risks. And so there are There are a lot of things that we as users can do to reduce our risk profile. But we also want to understand the dynamic environment in which we are operating. So even average users should read and pay attention to new pieces of information that come out in the media that talk about different exploitations, that talk about different types of attacks and different trends in security. People also should understand the role that they can play and need to play in securing their devices and their enterprises. So in addition to thinking about some of those basic cyber hygiene activities and and taking them, they also wanna understand that it really is a big deal if you click on a link from an unknown sender. And if you make that mistake, understand that it is also your role and responsibility to inform whether it's your manager or security office or you know someone within your within your organization to inform them what you've done so that the remediation process can begin as quickly as possible so we all have a role to play in this and it's just very important that everyone be vigilant and and pay attention to what they can do and not be afraid to say when they've made an error so that things can be corrected and, and cleaned up and remediated as soon as possible.
0: I'm going to shift gears for a second. It seems that everything that I read it talks about the shortage of cybersecurity professionals to fill cybersecurity jobs, not only federal government, but in industry. You have been a strong proponent regarding cybersecurity workforce development. What is a good approach to build and replenish the cybersecurity workforce?
1: Well, you're right. Retention, recruitment and retention of cybersecurity professionals is a very significant challenge that, that we face, not just in the U.S., but, but around the world. And at this point, there are many different programs, whether they are programs in high schools that are starting to introduce uh, younger students into the career field and the different options and different types of activities, or they are college Uh, programs at the two-year level or the four-year level to give students a broader and deeper skill set to be able to take some of these positions, the programs that are being developed are are very important in terms of getting people into the field. What we really need now is a way to scale these programs, and and one of the things that I'm working on with or on behalf of the Association for Computing Machinery and the IEEE Computer Society is the development of curricular guidelines in cybersecurity that will enable institutions that don't yet have cybersecurity programs or are looking to expand their offerings or simply to align their offerings better with the needs of of the field and and the needs of the workplace to develop a set of guidelines that will enable them to develop their programs faster with some guidance Um, So that we can scale our development of these individuals and get them into the workplaces, not just faster, but get them into the workplaces with a more robust skill set that will allow them to hit the ground running, but also give them the analytical ability and the the learning um, foundation so that they can continue to grow and evolve as the demands of the, the positions require them to do so.
0: Yes, I think problem solving, being analytical, thinking outside the box are definitely some required skill sets that are needed for the ever-growing, evolving cybersecurity threat landscape that we're seeing today.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: What role do you see or what role do you think the U.S. Cyber Challenge will play in this regard?
1: Oh, the U.S. Cyber Challenge has and and will certainly continue to be a very important activity for helping our students to become engaged and involved in in the field. Competitions like the US Cyber Challenge are where students are able to really put their skill sets to the test. And it allows them not just to develop technical skills, but also to understand what it's like to to work in teams, to communicate with different individuals, and to be working toward a a target and a goal. And so it's very important to continue to support competitions, clubs, camps, all of the different types of activities that are outside of the classroom, but that provide opportunities for students to really get entrenched in the activities that cybersecurity professionals perform. But it also provides an opportunity for them to meet cybersecurity professionals through judging, through additional, you know, the the ancillary activities that surround the challenge. So I I, I couldn't be a a stronger proponent of competitions in general, and certainly the U.S. cyber challenge is, is one of the best.
0: What can the U.S. government do to attract and compete with industry for cybersecurity talent?
1: Well, there are a number of things that, that always come up when we talk about the government competing versus private industry, and the first is is certainly salaries and, and money. But I don't think that we can stop there, because the reality is that oftentimes positions that are within the federal government, even if the salaries are not as competitive, and, and I would say that, quite frankly, the gap is is narrowing. Uh, in terms of, of the federal government versus private sector, certainly in entry-level positions. But we also need to think about things like human resources practices. How long does it actually take to get somebody into a position? Are they able to be mobile when they're in that position so that they can have different types of experiences? Because people who go into this field want to learn, they want to understand different types of roles and responsibilities. Will there be opportunities for professional development? Becoming credentialed and certified uh, in various aspects of the field is a very important ticket as you continue to grow and so to the extent that that the federal government can provide opportunities For professional development, whether that is sitting for certification exams, attending conferences, workshops, enhancing skill sets, those are the types of things that can help uh, individual agencies compete, not just because it's not just about recruitment and getting someone in the door, it's also about retention. And those are the types of activities that allow an employer to retain their very valuable members of of their workforce.
0: Dr. Burley, can you finish this sentence for me? In five years, the cybersecurity workforce...
1: (laughs) In five years, the cybersecurity workforce will still be challenged. Hopefully, though, we will have narrowed the gap between supply and demand and we'll be scaling to the extent that we are able to meet the demands.
0: Dr. Burley, before I let you go, can you just share a little bit about what we can expect from you from the remainder of 2017 and 2018?
1: Yes. Well, in 2017, you will see at the end of 2017, you will see the first set of global cybersecurity curricular guidelines for post-secondary education. So colleges and universities around the world will have guidelines that they can turn to, to develop their programs. And I am developing that along with the team on behalf of the Association for Computing Machinery and the IEEE Computer Society and a couple of other global professional societies. So keep a lookout for those guidelines. And as we then cycle into 2018, we will be working actively to help institutions uh, implement those guidelines, to link those guidelines to the workforce framework that is published out of the U.S. federal government so that we can begin to help academic institutions uh, develop their programs so that industry members know what they're getting when they go and look at a program and also are able to influence the development of individuals to get them into the workforce that much faster and that much more successfully. So we're very excited about that activity. And um, so stay tuned. Everybody take a look. Take a look for
0: those guidelines. Dr. Burley, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh,
1: thank you. The pleasure has been
0: mine. We have to do it again soon. Appreciate you. (laughs)
1: Definitely.
0: Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. One thing I guess today, Dr. Dana Burley. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning into Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.